The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.poraspodcast.com. So if you hear vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show thanks for listening thanks for supporting bye welcome to poor ass podcast the show that talks about tough shit on a budget with your host veronica porus Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about how to live sustainably while on a budget and can we live abundantly while on a budget. Today's guest is Seth Elliott Santoro. He is a spiritual consultant, smileologist, a intuitive business coach that has helped more than 100 plus celebrities and more than 1,000 people find happiness and live an easier, more fulfilled life. Seth's vision is to inspire inspire the world one person at a time. He helps CEOs, influencers, and celebrities find their happiness, smile from the inside, and live a more fulfilled life using the smile method he developed. Welcome, Seth, to the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So how I found Seth was on Facebook. We have a mutual friend in common, Katie, Katie Kirsten, and she was on on one of the earlier um, episodes I got to interview on the podcast on creativity and she tagged or she come, she posted on her Facebook about your book smile yeah. from the inside. And it caught mm-hmm. my attention because it's, it's similar of what this podcast explores on living sustainably while on a budget and smile from the inside, you know, isn't, it shouldn't be hard, but I do come, I am a person who has experienced trauma and sometimes trying to get my smile or live, live a more authentic life is challenging because the trauma yeah. is a block. I, I have gone outside help. I am um, active in 12 step recovery. I'm still active in various communities Great. and, you know, any resource that I could get that is budget friendly, this book is budget friendly. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm all, all for, and just a trigger warning. Um, I am going to be talking about trauma. If it's triggering, please take a break, take care of yourself. But, uh, Seth and I are going to get candid on, um, getting our smile back. So on that 
note, uh, tell me a little bit about the book and what, what, how, how did you write this book? Yeah. Again, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Wow. Yeah. So it all started essentially on the edge of trauma for me. So I, the, the fascinating part is it started about 10 years ago. Um, uh, my boyfriend and I, I thought we're monogamous. Um, apparently we weren't, um, unbeknownst to me. And he told me I was in Mexico. I was flying back and forth for my HR job, my day to day job. Um, and I was flying back and forth very often and he called me and unfortunately said, I am HIV positive. And I mean, you can imagine that conversation, not an easy conversation. Um, and I was 1500 miles away or 2000 miles away in Mexico. So my first thought was got to get to him, got to get to him, you know, and I, I called his best friend, made sure his best friend went over, you know, to talk to him and cause he was crying and obviously just distressed. Um, the interesting thing was it took about, 12 to 24 hours to get back to LA. And he let me know at about 2 PM and the last flight from this airport was like at six. And then I had to make a connecting in Mexico city. And I was running like a madman, like to get on that flight. Cause it was, it was the last flight out from, <laughs> from, uh, from Mexico city to LA. And I wanted to be back that night. I made it and I literally um, sat down and I, um, I was in my favorite seat number, which is 24. And it just happened to be that way. And I thought to myself, you are going to go through something now just, just by virtue of what's going on. And, and I didn't even think about me, by the way. Like, I had no idea. And I'm not HIV positive. But at that point, I was still thinking about him. And I was like, this is going to be an incredible kind of journey and adventure for not adventure in like at that, I can now and say it was an adventure, but then it was like, ah, very daunting and um, quite an obstacle. So I sat down, I was like, I should take notes because what happens if like I can write a book and then one day, like maybe I can help someone else by taking notes on, on everything that I'm about to go through. So I had noticed throughout my life that there was some type of pattern with how I deal with trauma and loss. And I lost a lot of people in my life. Um, and been through a lot, kidnappings, blah, blah, blah. And so I knew that there was some kind of pattern. So I, it's weird, but I really kind of took notes on like what we were going through at the time. And those notes became chapters, right? Um, and then, so while I was going through it, I was also writing two books, in fact. Um, and then I stopped writing because it, it, it either became too much. I left that job and because it was too dangerous, um, going back and forth to Mexico. And um, about two years later, I picked it back up and I wrote it from a different perspective. I wrote it from a clearer perspective, right? Because I was now two years after the fact and I could see everything from a very different and more distanced, shall we say, perspective and an objective right so and then i wrote i wrote and wrote and wrote for like three or four months and then boom like the first edition came out back in 2013 i think it was does that answer your question kind of a long answer but no i (laughs) i'm i have kindle so i'm reading it on the kindle like um paperback how how long is it uh it is 
hold on, this book, this book right here. Yeah. Um, I'm just so proud. Um, it's 214 pages. Cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. Some, sometimes like on the mobile versions, it's misleading on how many, how many pages. Yes. Yeah. It's about 65,000 words or something. 68,000. Yeah. I think the second edition is a little bit longer. Um, cause I updated some things, made references. Like when I first wrote it, I made reference to having all of your, you know, as you're going through, um, all the feelings might in overwhelmed them, which I'm, I know we'll get to, you know, there's a part that says, get all your, um, uh, takeout menus near you and like who needs takeout menus now with Postmates and Uber Eats and all that stuff, you know, like that, that needed to be updated. But anyway, one of the things that intrigued me in terms of smile is another thing that popped another word or phrase that popped into my mind is toxic positivity. And how does this book different differ from toxic positivity or not be confused? Cause it's, and I, and I, I just say this where, you know, I'm on a lot of online spiritual like, like groups and, and in the discussion, we've talked about toxic positive positivity. And in my understanding, toxic, po- toxic, toxic, positive, I can't even talk. It's hard toxic to say. <laughs> positivity. I also have like learning, learning challenges that I'm, that I don't, I haven't been officially diagnosed but when I read something words just like like stumble so oh, toxic toxic positivity and in my understanding it's your experience is minimized and and, and there's a skip a skip step where go go straight to being positive but it skips mm-hmm. this entire process of and this and when I was, as I'm reading your book and it talks about the like you know stages and, and methods. So first there's shock, and it's like that's what I liked about your process, where it doesn't minimize the significance of the trauma, but we Absolutely. also got to find a way to heal and move forward. And ma- and I'm like this with grief. Like I don't put a timetable on on grief, but right. coming from an alcoholic home, anytime grief came into the family, it wiped out family members like so it's like how like how do I live on this earth in this plane of existence without my psyche crumbling on top of itself there's there's got to be a way yeah no I I don't know that much about toxic positivity I have to say it slowly so that I say it as well um but I can tell you, I mean, we can talk about the, the method itself. And yeah. then, but, but before I do that, I'll talk about really sometimes, I mean, I've been so hurt and so crushed or so just devastated by something or that I, I literally had to take it like step by step. Like after I was held at gunpoint for an hour by the cartel, the Mexican cartels, like that's, that's, that's traumatic. Um, and I literally kept it together because there were other people around for like an hour or two. And then I went to the bathroom, called my significant other and just bawled my eyes out. You know, like sometimes it's literally step by step and sometimes it's moment to moment. Sometimes it's hour to hour. Like when you're in it, you are in it. And I think the only way is to put one foot in front of the other. You know, you don't have to like it. You don't have to be happy about it. You know, um, I'm a really big proponent of sharing your feelings even in a, even in a workplace setting, like if you're having a tough day, you know, and just tell your boss, like, Hey, I just, I just want you to know, like, 
you don't have to tell me what's happening if you don't want to, or you're not close enough, but you can say, there's something going on right now. And I'm a little kind of off today. Like I've done that many times and I'm an HR, right? So like I, I have a, I have some, I have some kind of knowledge about corporate America and employee experience. And so I would suggest you talk about it with people in terms of like, like I'm not in my best space right now. Like I'll get back to you or can we not do this right now? Like I'm not feeling up to it. There's so many ways to protect yourself from others because it's so true that we never know what's going on in someone else's world. You know, that's why when someone cuts me off in LA traffic or someone cuts in front of me in line, like I don't freak out. I just, I just like, be like, Hey, like, are you all right? Or, or I just let it go. Cause it's, you never know. Maybe they're rushing to the hospital. Maybe they're, you know, like maybe they're having the worst day of their lives and you flipping them off would probably not be the best idea. Right. So <laughs> I, I say that because I think that's, one of the things that this book is about the process and the awareness of that process and the method. And obviously we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's a really good point you're making. Like how do you do this process and still manage your life, deal with your shit, you know, keep moving. So sometimes it's one day at a time. And I think it's be authentic, right? I mean, you don't have to be raw with everyone, but I want you to be raw with yourself. And I feel like being raw with ourselves is authentic to who we are and part of our journey. Mm-hmm. Do you want uh, me to talk about that? Go yeah. ahead, questions, questions. So one more thing, and then we'll yeah. get into the method. Another okay. thing that I really liked in when you were talking about the shock phase is um, on – well, this is Kindle page 19. Actually, it might be different on different Kindles. If you adjust the font, <laughs> if you adjust the font, you get more right. pages. But if right. you have uh, 2020 vision, you might be <laughs> page 19 for those with 2020 vision. I don't know. Kindle's strange. So I, highla- I highlighted this okay. on um, the shock part where it says, if you are a friend, remain silent and just sit there with them. Remember, laughter always helps. Do not drag on about your problems. Don't mention anything at all about why you are there unless they bring it up. You are there to just be there. So just be there. Talk to them, listen to them, and that's all. I I really highlighted this because when it comes to like the shock stage is like surround yourself with safe safe people and not everyone is safe. Like agreed. And for the listeners who are listening to us, or if you are that person who have quote friends who, who makes everything about them and they're not listening to you, they're not, that's not holding, holding space. Absolutely. So if you do have friends like that, that constantly like minimize your experience or turn it around and make it about, about them, that's not holding space. And it's definitely not useful in, in the shock and the shock mm-hmm. part of, mm-hmm. and you did mention a story um, about your significant other uh, HIV uh, status and you're going through with that and you're in Mexico and the person is in back in the States and you actually called a safe person, a friend, like, hey, can you sit with him? Yeah. And that person was able able to do it. Not everyone is able to do it. So it's like, find those friends or that you have or make a list of emergency friends that you, that you can call. Um, what, okay. In your experience, what has helped you find those 
first responder friends, I guess I would call them that. You know, no, I, I love that. And thank you for pointing that out because it is so important. And I often find like I'm working with a client right now and he had like, he was having a traumatic situation and then his three or four best friends, right? Like didn't come to his aid and wouldn't come to his aid at all. Like nor would they come over. They wouldn't even come over, you know? So I often find that that's like, it becomes very clear in times of trauma and turbulence who your friends are and aren't. Um, I, I think it takes sometimes years to find those people, you know? Um, it just so happens that Katie, um, like literally, I think it was like not even a year after I met her, I broke my leg and she went, came to the hospital after my surgery and like slept in between two chairs because I couldn't find another cot. I mean, that's friendship, right? And and we were new friends, right? So like, and from that moment, I mean, I knew before that, but from that moment on, I was like, you are in, you are in, you know, you are in my life. You are first respondent um, or first responder. I think it takes a while. I think it takes, um, I think it takes authenticity. And I honestly, I believe that most people actually know those that are, that might minimize our experience or talk about themselves consistently, which is why I talk about that in the book. Like if they're going to do that, then that's not what you need. You know, some people do that out of nerves. So that's one, you know, that's, that's one thing, but um, I'm trying to think what else, how else we can find them. Um, I, I often think, I mean, sometimes I think it takes years appear. to develop. You know, sometimes they just exactly. appear like, yeah, it, it, some, some friends, like I do have some long-term friends that I could call that I could call for sure. I, 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 I remember this one, it was pretty like spiritually traumatizing and the friends that I did have like stopped being my friends, like my spiritual friends and the people mm. that I would never have thought would step up, stepped up. And even those friends, something happened and I'm no longer friends with them. So it's so traumatic and weird and, and bizarre. But sometimes when you just like turn it over, people will show up. People will somehow appear. Yeah, I, I believe that I do believe that to everything there is a season. I totally believe in that quote. I mean, that friends come in and out of your life. And I think that's part of I mean they're the family we choose and they're not always again sometimes we don't want to choose you anymore you know (laughs) (laughs) it's true um and I think that's normal and I think I I personally have a hard time saying goodbye to friends you know um but I've I've had to over the years like it's not you know and it I think on some level it still kind of bothers me but you know but I I don't need that chaos or I don't need that drama in my life anymore. And I'm much better off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So do you want to get into the, the method? Cause you, yeah. you're like, <laughs> you're talking about it. Okay. So, um, so I just want to show, Oh, it doesn't matter. You're not going to see my book. It's just so exciting to get your book and hold it in your hand. It's just really like if, if I want everyone to write a book because everyone should write a book because um, everyone has at least one or two books, if not three or four books within them. You know, I personally believe that. So smile, right? Smile from the inside. The acronym is S-M-I-L-E. As you pointed out, S is for shock. So by the way, this is 
pretty much like loosely based on Dr. Kubler-Ross. Um, she did five stages of death, five, five stages of dying, five, five stages of loss. And that was in 1969. So I felt like it kind of needed to be updated a little bit for, I think, the 21st century. I think things have, I mean, I think we can all attest that things have changed a lot, mm-hmm. um, especially in the last year and a half. So I, you know, wanted to find something that resonated with me. And smiling is something that my mother said I did since I was like literally the day I was born. She said, you were born smiling. So smiling is very like authentic to who I am, right? Um, and enthusiasm. So I wanted to find something that really capsulated, cap- capitulated, capitulated, captured, anyway, yeah. anything, <laughs> anything that I, <laughs> everything that I wanted. So smile. So S is for shock, right? M is for what I call mock acceptance. Um, I'll come back and do the definitions. I is for in overwhelmedum, L is for learning, and E is for embrace. So that's shock, mock acceptance, in overwhelmedum, learning, and embrace. And yes, I definitely have some teachers from college and high school that would be like, you invented words, you're not allowed to do that. And I'm like, I'm the writer, I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> like maybe send it to them, be like, I created a word. So anyway, shock, I think we all know what shock is, but I really believe it's nature's first line and first line of defense. So it allows time for your body, mind, soul, spiritual, emotional, whatever, to wrap its head around what's going on, right? Because mm-hmm. when you find out that a friend passes away, let's just use that as an example, mm-hmm. it's, you're like, what? Like, what? And it could take minutes, months, years to kind of get through that shock, you know? Um, so then we go through this time called mock acceptance, and I'm going to continue to use someone who's passed away because it's it's an, an easy example. Um, so mock acceptance is what I call literally part denial and part acceptance. So if someone passes away and you are planning the funeral, like I don't know how families do this, but they do it. And I believe that there's something inside of us that allows us to deal with what's going on on one side you know, so there's the denial, but then also like understand that they have to get things done. So there's the acceptance, right? So people are doing this and they, I, I find that in moments of acceptance or days or weeks for me, usually last weeks, I am so good and I can focus on certain things so well. And it's just because I think the mind compartmentalizes. So that's what I call the nature's like, kind of like second line of defense because as the truth is starting to break in, you're also getting shit done, you know? Um, so that could last weeks, months, what have you. Um, then the moment that everyone leaves after you're sitting Shiva, cause I'm the nice Jewish guy, <laughs> my shirt says I'm a nice Jewish guy, but I can't see it for everyone who can't see it. Um, uh, everyone's left. Um, the door has slammed. You sit on your couch and then all of a sudden you have a burst of emotion and burst of tears. And what's, it's so important to feel your feelings. And that's one of the things I go on and on about in the book, excuse me, is you, the only way through is through. And that's, that includes anger, sadness, devastation. Um, sometimes you could be watching something on Netflix or whatever and laughing. And then all of a sudden you'll turn to bawling. I mean, I, I believe that we need to go through that. And, and whether that takes 
weeks, months, or years, we need to do that. And I know I liked how you said, like, I don't put a time frame on it, right? And I don't either. But when I'm working with clients, I start to ask them, like, what do you think is a good time? Like, you've already been dealing with this for 15 years or five years. Like, when do you think might be a good time to kind of move to the next step, you know? Um, also, I just want to mention, like, in the book, as you saw, there's like tips and tricks, like at the end of each chapter. So just like some little things that I do when I'm in those specific modes, right, or stages. So I think a lot of people get stuck in the in overwhelmed and they never have the significant and poignant emotions necessary to move on to the next stage. And I feel like a lot, I would say 50% of people get stuck there, maybe, maybe 40. Um, because the next stage learning is so, it's so important. I can't express I think, honestly, that the learning part of this is more important than the emotions. To, to reflect upon what happened, to gain insight, to understand what happened and why it happened. I mean, if you lose your job, like a year after it, you're in another job and you're loving it, like you, you can then look back and be like, oh my God, I was such a dork or I was so silly or like maybe I didn't do the job that I thought or maybe I was too awesome. You know, there's just so many things that you can glean from having that space, as I said, that distance, that objectivity. And I feel that most people get trapped here, and that's why there's a lot of hurt people walking around and a lot of people in pain because they kind of go back and forth. And I'm not saying the smile method is like linear at all, but there is, I think that you can follow it. And I think you go back and forth, right? Especially with the inoverwhelmed and the learning, the inoverwhelmed and the learning. Um, and then, sorry, and then the E is for embrace, right? So Dr. Kubler-Ross talks about acceptance. And I just, I think we're in the 21st century, and I just don't think acceptance is enough anymore. Mm-hmm. We have to see the opportunities and the blessings. I mean, if someone dies, it's a little bit more challenging to see the opportunities and blessings. But some people are really so much in pain. I mean, as a medium, I do all these readings and I, they always tell me something like I'm dancing now, tell them that I'm doing the polka or tell them that I'm dancing because I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand the last couple of months of my life, you know? Um, so it's so important that people enthusiastically accept what's going on and be grateful, you know, like to lose a job, maybe not in the moment, maybe not a year later, but maybe a couple years later, be like, Oh my God, thank God I left that job because I wouldn't have had these experiences. So that's why, I chose embrace um, as the last step. It's just acceptance just isn't good enough anymore. That's a really interesting uh, point of view of embracing and acceptance. And, you know, it, I've been in recovery for like six, 16 years now. And we talk about acceptance. Thanks. Um, But if recovery from uh, being affected by uh, someone else's, addiction and alcoholism. So Good. I don't need alcohol to do the crazy shit that I did while <laughs> I was being affected by other people, but it's just as damaging. I could die from mm-hmm. this disease and not even like take, take a drink. Um, I have this joke that I'm working on where it's like my enabling could have landed me in prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, I didn't rob the big I have definitely covered up for people. <laughs> yeah. So, but okay, going yeah. back to acceptance sure. um, and embracing, it's a, it's a really uh, interesting take 
because like when I come, uh, when I see the two words next to each other, acceptance and embrace, acceptance does look like very finalized. Like I, that's it. I've accepted the end. <laughs> and it seems like, wait, wait, but I don't want to go back like either. So embrace, right. embrace, when I look at the word embrace and I compare it to acceptance, like a break embrace looks like, like it's integrated in, yes. into me. That's a great word. That's a great word. In my mind, I keep thinking, and you know, obviously I, I, I do spiritual work and I'm an intuitive. So yeah. sometimes I, this, for the most part, for this whole, for the half an hour that we've been on, I can't believe it's been that fast. Um, I've, I've kind of dominated, but like I'm, I'm hearing now, like I should let them kind of say things. So what they're saying to me is like, it's almost like toleration is like the first step. Acceptance is the second. And I love integration and embrace. Like, I love that. I love it. It's so true. It just felt right when you said integration. It did. And that's what I work with my clients on is integrating, you know, what they've learned. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Into their life. Because if you don't, you won't change. How? Okay. Let's, let's continue on. Oh, so, so okay. smile, S M I L E. And then the last, the last phase embrace. Oh, we, we've been talking about it. So embrace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think you said it best integrating that, which we've learned. Um, and by the way, just because you've embraced something doesn't mean that it doesn't rear its nasty head every once in a while, you know, yeah, yeah. like you can be three or four years out of a relationship or in my case, like 10 years out of a relationship and then see that person and like, just get a panic and like go through every single emotion possible, you know? Um, it doesn't mean that you haven't embraced it. It doesn't mean that you haven't learned from it or gone through the emotions. It's just kind of like my mother always said, like, it's kind of taking it off the shelf, looking at it again, exploring it again, maybe have some emotions and then be like, and then learn from it again. And then be like, okay, now I'm, you, I already have integrated this. So I'm going to put it back in the shelf, neatly packed, you know, um, <laughs> where it needs to stay or be, you know, um, you mentioned, you mentioned like, you know, re- rearing its ugly head. So yeah. I've definitely experienced that. Uh, can you, are you able to share how your smile method can be applicable when it, when it rears its ugly head? Sure. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Um, I know that it's funny. I know, you know, that I have three more books coming out, so I, I don't want to miss, I don't want to mix up anything from a future book. Um, cause this right. book is about really how to heal from current traumas and challenges. Right. Mm-hmm. And th- one of the next books is called from grief to grace. And that's how to heal from your past once and for all, mm. you know? Um, so that is that I, I t- and I tell one story throughout the entire thing. So, um, I don't want to use that story here because if we ever do this again and you know, when, when oh, all my books are good. out, whatever. Um, good. Yeah. Anyway, segue. But anyway, um, here's what I'm going to say. Um, there have been times when I've run into an ex or, or um, even really, if you're talking about someone's death, right? Like even when you're in your car and this, their favorite song starts playing on the radio, you know, 
like that's a trigger, right? It's a small trigger, but it's a trigger. And you can be like, oh, or maybe you start crying. <laughs> like it really, and, and I want people to know it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to take it off the shelf. It's okay to look at it. So I would just go back. I mean, I think in, in once we've dealt with it once, and I like to say productively and efficiently, which I know sounds very business speak, but if you heal productively and efficiently, then this stuff I think triggers you less in your life, right? So I think the I, the L, and the E are important when it, you get triggered, right? So feeling the emotions that you're feeling, like, oh, like I miss them, you know? Um, and, and that's okay. It's okay. So it's, I mean, it's natural to miss people, you know? Um, and then you go to, but look at everything I've learned and look at how cool they, they can play a song. And like, I know, I feel like it's them. Like, I feel like they like played that song for me. You know, and I think about the good times and I think about the not so good times, but I think about them and, and what it was. And maybe they were in pain and I'm so glad that they're not in pain anymore, you know, um, or they were in an accident and it was too soon to go. Right. Like that happens a lot as a medium. I've done countless places or even if they've committed suicide. I mean, everyone's so scared to talk about it, but death is actually one of my favorite topics. P.S. Um, but. but like we've all had friends that have committed suicide. Um, and I think I want people to know that they're okay on the other side. They're not in hell. They're okay. Like they're doing their shit on the other side mm -hmm. and, and they live their purpose. And um, so you get to that learning. I'm trying to like, this is all within the L and then you take a breath or maybe a couple days. Like, cause something sometimes triggers can be for days or weeks or months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. And then you get back to essentially you get back to a place where you can once again, tolerate it happened, accept it happened, integrate it happened and embrace it happened. You know? Yeah. Um, what's coming up for me is just like, yes, I could tell something how I, <laughs> like how I dealt with, I mean, I didn't even call it. I, I didn't, I had no words to, I didn't have the word trauma to describe how it was like growing up in an alcoholic home. So now I have the word for it and like no, no, no tools. So, and, and I remember in my search and looking for tools, you know, the 12 steps came across 12 steps through a counselor from Kaiser that's how I began my journey. And then in working with my sponsor and in, in the 12 step approach, um, the fellowships are forever non, non professional. So it's peer, it's, it's equal peer to peer. They're not professional. Some things are bigger than what the fellowship is. The primary purpose of a particular 12 step fellowship uh, addresses. Cause we're okay. just, we're just a bunch of people, some of us might be professionals, but the practice is um, don't incorporate your professionalism into this fellowship. We're equals. So okay. if you need help, if you need help, like get help. Like we don't have an opinion. Like the fellowship does not have an opinion. If you need this or subscribe that, like, and I'm a sponsor myself. Like I don't tell my sponsees, like take this pill, do this treatment. Right. I just say like, you need legal support there's a lawyer and if lawyers are too expensive, like maybe there's some lawyer lawyer that does some pro 
bono like work or maybe there's an association or an organization that could help you like there is help like i just point them in the right direction like if you need a therapist talk to the therapist if you need to change your meds like hey you talk to your therapist and your doctor and and those are the people that you need to talk to so with that in mind and you know building tools or or if if people are listening to this you're open to start having like your tools like like you know reading Seth's book could be a start or like go to a 12-step meeting or Mm -hmm. see a therapist like I didn't have tools I just had like my rage and my acting out like those were those were the tools and like or just keep things inside or um just using coping skill skills I was just I, I was preparing preparing this um Uh, Speaking with you this afternoon, I was thinking about success and my expression, you know, typical, well, I don't know, just being the adult child of an alcoholic, like overachievement was how I coped. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of like all the successful people that are out there like killing it. And and I'm wondering like, what if success is a trauma response? I think it very, yeah. (laughs) I think, no, I think people need fuel. And I think sometimes that's trauma. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or even like mothers who've lost their children, God forbid, you know, like they go on to start corporations or start, you know, like nonprofits because of their son. Like that would never have happened, right? If, if not like some type of trauma or tragedy had happened. So I do feel that. I think it triggers a couple things, right? It, it triggers like survival mechanisms in people, right? And then I think it also can fuel success or can fuel failure. Depends on yeah. how, or can fuel um, super achiever, overachievers, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, switching gears, you, you mentioned yes. that you're a medium. I'm curious about your ability. Like how, how did you know that you had this gift and how has it helped you in your professional life? Um, I think I always knew that I was a little bit unique. Um, I always knew things about people, but I didn't know how I knew things about people. Um, And it wasn't until I broke a strange pattern of dating unavailable men who would never love me the way I wanted to be loved. There were like three in a row. And I literally rolled over twice within like two or three years. I rolled over and said the same thing. Like I deserve better. And the last time I did that literally I, and I, I'm, I swear the next day I could not like the mediumship, which is, you know, connecting with deceased loved ones went from like zero to like 90 miles per hour in one day. And it was crazy. It was crazy. And honestly, it took me about nine or 10 months to kind of come out again to everyone, you know, (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, because like, and by the way, my parents have a harder time with the mediumship than they did with being being gay, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother show. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, and then it went to, from one to to zero to to 90 in like, uh, like days and I would be out with people and I'd be like, 
they'd mention their mother and I'd be like, Oh, and then I would feel their mother and I would just get all sorts of information. And finally, after the 10th or 12th time it happened, I finally started asking questions about like, I'm like, oh, can I ask you a question about your mother? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, did she like wear her hair like this? Or did you have a gate when you were growing up that had like a pink bow on it? Like I remember it was like a red ribbon. I can remember it so vividly. And the girl starts bawling. She's like, how could you possibly know that? Like crying, you know, so I learned not to do it in public. But anyway, um, <laughs> as an HR professional, mm. like I really, I didn't use it for a very long time. Um, once I started realizing that every medium is also psychic. So can all, so I, I, when I say psychic, I also mean intuitive, which means I talk about people's not so distant past, their present, and their not so distant future. That's what I consider a psychic to be and an intuitive to be. Um, so I didn't realize that all mediums could do that. So when I started like kind of taking courses and like being with mentors and peers, like I started realizing, oh, there's way more to this. You know, and I often refer to it as like the gift that keeps on giving because then I started doing prenatal readings. So I would talk to like women's babies before they were born. Then I started doing like animal readings, which I didn't even know I could do. And then I started doing um, energy healing a couple years ago. And now I'm talking with like dogs, like I'm a dog psychic, like for living dogs. It's just like, it's this amazing gift. And now I'm doing emotional trauma healing as opposed to physical energy healing. I'm also doing emotional trauma healing. And it's like so cool. The effects of, of helping people, just like through like a blast of love, energy, healing, you know? Um, so as an HR professional, actually the interesting thing is I'm now switching from like, now my life is 60% coaching, which is awesome and healing. Um, and 40%, sometimes 30% HR. And the idea is to just be a coach like end of 2021. Yes. That's, that's my, that's the abundance I'm bringing in. Right. Um, so it was the past couple of years I've, I've started to kind of tap into my intuition in, from an HR perspective because I also believe there's professional intuition. So when you do a job like I did for 16 years or 17 years, like you, you know that A plus B equals C, right? Or if this happens, then this could happen. So I use that, but I also kind of use it to tap into people, see if they're lying to me, if they're telling me the truth, you know, um, and... I think now I've kind of come out to all my clients as well. Like I, I didn't think it had a place in um, corporate America, you know, but that's BS, I think. And I think that like, especially with COVID and everyone going through this trauma together, like we now need to heal from things and we now need to heal in any way, shape or form possible. So all my clients know, like I now have it on all my websites, LinkedIn. I mean, for me to have it on LinkedIn is a big deal, you know? So um, but I mean, I'm very lucky in the sense that, and grateful in the sense that I can bring it to everything that I do and even to the books, right? Like, like I feel like one of the, my next book, well, my next book is actually a children's book. It's called Finn and the Ferocious Flu. It's coming out August 6th. Um, but the one after that, the one about healing from your past once and for all called from grief to grace, that one I really channeled. And, and when I say channel, I mean, like, I kind of like just went with what they were saying to me and I would write it down 
And I'd be like, oh, writing this. And then be like, they'd be like, oh, maybe write this. And I'd be like, whoa, okay. So, so I know that, and even with Smile from the Inside, I feel like I know, like when you read it to me, I was like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> like sometimes it doesn't even feel like mine, you know, like, <laughs> so I feel like I feel like an interpreter and a translator um, as well. And that's what I think I do as a medium and intuitive is to really interpret like the messages and the images, signs, symbols, video clips that I'm getting, mm-hmm. you know, when I talk to people. Did I answer your question? Yeah. I like I'm, okay. I'm curious. And when, when spirits communicate to you, do you hear words or how does it, is it more imagery based? So, yeah. So I am, every intuitive medium psychic is different. Um, but I do get a lot of images. Um, I get a lot of like signs and symbols. Um, I get a lot of, um, I know it sounds weird, but like video clips. So like, as you tell me a story from your past, I can see it happening in my mind and tell you that this person was wearing this or it was happening in this house with that had the staircase in the middle, like things like that. Like I, I'm there with you. So like I see it. So I, I like to say clairvoyantly, um, I, I hear a lot of words, but I also just know things um, which is more like claircognizance. I just know things about people. Um, so it doesn't really come from a, like a spirit, like mediumship is one thing, right? Like I believe in a mediumship session, I'm connecting with your deceased loved one or as close as possible to it. Mm. Uh, whereas intuitive, I feel like I don't know if people believe in spirit guides, angels, what have you. Um, but I'm talking to someone <laughs> and, and sometimes Sometimes they give me information and then sometimes I feel like I just know, like I just know that that's your next ex or I just know that this is not <laughs> the guy for you. I just know it, you know, or girl or person, whatever. Um, so yes, imagery is very big in my mind. I always describe it to people as um, if you and I are doing a session, there's like this veil I call it the veil of information in front of, in between us. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to you, but I'm also, there's all sorts, there's all sorts of thing being, being thrown on the veil. So imagery, signs, symbols, words. I do get words, um, um, video clips, like it's all happening in between us. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. It's yeah. hard to explain to people, but yeah, yeah. no, I get, I, I get it when you're like having like when you, when you're feeling it, I could imagine it's like could be really over overwhelming. Um, before we go into leg- legendary, I how <laughs> how yes. are you taking care of yourself while on a budget? Because this is a lot. Mediumship, you know, I'm gonna. It's like a different planes, dimensions. It's a lot of energy from this dimension yeah. to like crossing over to other spirit plane or whatever. And, and then plus rent is due on the first. So <laughs> yeah. And then deal and like- <laughs> no. And I think I've, I've created this luxurious lifestyle for my husband and I. Um, and, and I, I can just tell you that it ebbs and flows like the money ebbs and flows. Um, like 
pragmatically it ebbs and flows. I know, you know, abundantly I, I have everything, and but I know I'm not grateful enough for what I have a lot of the time. Mm. I have to remind, I get to remind myself all the time of being grateful for what I have. I have a great house, beautiful bed, like lovely home. You know, um, I have amazing clients, um, but it's really been the HR that has been helping like fuel until this year, this year, as I told you, it's kind of like flip flopped. Um, so, um, I think it's, it's, it's scarcity. I, I feel the same. I mean, I feel the same way as most people. I think I go from abundance to scarcity and sometimes I say no to clients. Like yesterday, someone came to me, a beautiful mentor came to me and she had this, like, she kept talking about this chaotic client that she wants me to work for and super chaotic and chaos, this chaos, that lawsuit, this. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like I have in my mind, I know what's good for me. And I have three other books coming out. I have 12 clients. I have all these things to do. I have an intuitive development course coming up in in late August. Like I have a lot of stuff going on. And though the money would be amazing, Mm, mm. you know, like it's not worth my mental health to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, and every day, you know, like so I, I have, I have like three types of shampoo. I don't need three types of shampoo. Like, <laughs> I, I know what I like, and maybe I'll wait till next month when I have a little bit more coming in, you know, to get the third shampoo that I really, really want. Or we need new like dishware. I'll wait a month or two, you know. Like I don't need everything now, and I, I think that also makes me feel like. Like, just like I did in Hail, Exhale. Like, I'm really grateful for what I have because I really am grateful for what I have. Um, and I know that the universe takes care of me. And it's like those moments where I know that the universe takes care of me that I feel better. But to be honest, and to be honest, every day I do affirmations, right? Um, I feel like it's very important after my visualization work. I do exercise, visualization, um, reading, and meditation. And when I do my affirmations, I, I do have this thing that says the universe, I'm on the universe's timeline. And I always have to like inhale and exhale. Cause I'm like, come on universe. Like, let's like, come on. Like, you know, I mean, I became an international bestseller, but that doesn't mean a millionaire, you know? So like, come on. Um, so I still, I still have the same challenges everyone else does, you know? Um, and I hope that I always remember to be grateful for what I have. And it's, usually out of grateful gratitude and hope. Um, like, to be honest, last week was very challenging for me because I did make international bestseller from this on my smile. It was awesome. Like, yay. Um, um, and at the same time, like I had three other books going and something happened with all three. And then I like, I lost two clients and I was like, ah, you know, like it was tough. And when I finally said to myself, I believe in the universe will take care of me. And I don't say that to myself enough, but literally like I got two clients again within a couple days, you know, it was crazy. And I, so I feel like I need to do that more, mm. you know, and I, and I'm very honest with my audience too. Like I, I swore to do 120 days of like social media, which is really tough because I don't love social media. Um, and it's to like, plug my books, you know, and mm-hmm. market my books and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and it's been challenging and mm-hmm. I've been very honest, like today's not a great day. Like, you know, I think, um, I believe, I believe that's why I believe in contentment over happiness. I believe happiness 
fleeting happiness has moments, right? Um, extreme happiness. Um, I sh- intend and shoot for contentment. When you say that in your introduction, uh, where, you, where you say smiling from the inside is a lifestyle choice, it's not a state of mind. And I highlighted that where for those who are, are living on the budget and and this is one of the reasons I did this podcast. Like, sure, it's a play on my last name, poor, poor ass podcast. <laughs> and I, I've been on, un, I lost my job in um, April. And since then, I've been working on, on this podcast and also finding like a day, a day job uh, as, as well. I'm on unemployment and um, I'm on un- unemployment. I'm on food stamps. Uh, I just got the notice that it's going to expire uh, this week and I have to wait for it fully expires and then I have to do another claim. So, so what I say, um, you know, I talk about tough shit on, on a budget and my, my lifestyle and I've, and I still have money. Like if rent was, I say this to myself is if rent was due right now, can I pay it? And the answer has always been yes. Mm. And I'm able to afford, food and food stamps help. And there's a difference between like, just because I'm, I'm living on a budget does not mean that I'm in, I, it's not out of lack, like living on a budget does not mean that I'm, that I'm poor, but growing up in an alcoholic home, the, the messages of money were just so dysfunctional and abusive and, and skewed where budget meant, budget meant poor, budget meant scarcity, Mm -hmm. um, budget meant, meant lack. And so the best, to the best of my ability, I have been on my budget. Like basically my expenses are like my rent and my food. I don't have a car. I don't have, I don't plan on owning a car. I don't have kids. Uh, I rent, I don't own a house. And, and so whatever people's like situations are, I don't know what they need to do, but I know what Veronica needs to do. Like I have, and I cook, I don't, I hardly go out. So I make like good, like food at home. And and for the most part, for the most part, it's like, I am, I am happy. It's not like a state of mind. It's like, just like a lifestyle. So smiling. Mm. So yeah, I'm going to have bad days. I think this is Mm -hmm. where I talk about like toxic, positivity it's like minim like minimizing my trauma and like be happy all the time no such thing as a sad day it's like no that's not what we're talking about here that's not what your book is about like yeah you're gonna have a sad day like you had a a tough week but then the next day things change like you're gonna have a new feeling like some i some i was listening to a, a recovery speaker and the person was like you have a new feeling every 20 minutes and that just blew my mind the first time I heard it. Like, what do you mean you have a new feeling? I thought feelings lasted forever. Trauma lasts forever. <laughs> um, the adults growing up, they didn't, they weren't good examples on how to process trauma. My grandma died angry and my other grandma, she never left her abuser. So mm. it's like, the, like I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to die angry and I don't want to stay in abusive relationships. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. And then, okay. One more question. I, of uh, course. Not one more question, but 
uh, I do want to talk about legendary. Okay. So, so you did mention <laughs> that you had a couple of not so nice relationships, guys who didn't love you back three of them. We went through three of them. So mm-hmm. how, like what steps did you take between like breaking that, that, that cycle and marrying the current guy that you're with and you're happy and like, like, like how I'm currently single. I have no desire to, to date. I didn't really have that much of a desire to date. Like dating apps stressed me, ha- stressed me out. Like I identify as demi demisexual. So I'm very much okay. like, I'm all about the emotional connection and apps stress me out. It actually does an adverse, re- um, it doesn't help. Like I, it, it, it's horrible. It's horrible. It does a horrible thing to my self-esteem and it actually, it makes it worse. So I'm trying to like meet people through like hanging out in groups, like a lot of group activity and I'm doing online, like just meeting, meeting like cool, cool people. And I'm not even like thinking about relationships, relationships, like, are you decent? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you go yeah. from three, I don't know, three jerks to like, oh, I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it took a couple jerks more, to be honest, you know, <laughs> but they had different issues. Um, I, uh, first of all, I want to say like, um, you didn't ask for this, but I'm going to like, just tell you the way I'm feeling about you. But like, I feel like in two to three years, you will feel a little differently and you'll be a little bit more ready for a relationship Um, or maybe even in a relationship. Um, Definitely by the three year mark from today. You can literally count it from today. Okay. Um, I'm going to hold you to that. I'll let you know. So what? what, I love the people. I love when people like text me like six months later. I'm like, you were right on this, you know? So So three years from now, three years. So that's three plus one, 2024. You'll be in a relationship, but I'd say between two and three, you're going to feel like I'm ready now. Okay. Two, three, okay. 2024. Okay. So in 2023, I oh. want you to text me when you're ready. Oh, 2023. But okay. You'll I'm going to write, I'm going to, I'm going to write, write it down. Write 20, ready. And then 20. All right. All right. So and I feel like you're going to have a, just one or a couple more things, but I feel like you're going to have a couple like, couple months relationships and like you're gonna have two or three of those in a row and then you're gonna find someone that you just adore (laughs) and be with for a very long time just check it out okay um so okay so for me i i don't i don't really um i think it was about self-worth at some point and i think that i started recognizing the red flags much much sooner and I was much more discerning. Um, and um, I took my time. And I was honestly, like, I was not looking for anything or anyone. Um, and I, I just broke out with someone. And uh, I went to this mediumship workshop. And two girls within five minutes of each other came up and said, I need to meet their friend, Mornman. And I was like, okay. 
Um, and then they both came back together and they were like, Oh my God, we both said the same thing to you. And then they showed me a picture and I was like, Oh, he's cute. And they told me he's South African. I'm like, Oh, he has an accent. Yay. Um, and he's African. Uh, I don't date very many Americans. Um, so I, um, took a chance and we started chatting and, um, and we like fell in love literally within like four to five weeks. However, I wasn't ready and he wasn't ready. So we kind of, took our time for a couple months. He needed to end something. I need to like deal with something. And, um, and then we came back three months later and then boom, it was like, we got engaged and married and, you know, so, um, you know, it's, um, it's lovely when you find someone like that you want to be quarantined with. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Like, you know, since, since COVID my, my feed has been, well, not blowing up, but there has been some significant friends on there who have divorced and blew Mm -hmm. my mind because I thought they were going to be together forever. Like when I first met them, I, these are people from college and I was like, wow. I'm like, wow. But it's like, you know what? Facebook could only tell you so much. I, I don't know right. what's going on behind closed doors. And, you know, people right. people change. You know, the person that you were when you were 22. You know, I, I've known these people for like over 20 years now. We're in our, when, when we're in our 40s. Like different stuff happens, you know. Be happy. But it just, <laughs> it like it, blew, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind. It's like, like... Yeah, be like who knows like, who knew this was going to happen like a global a global pandemic like like people yeah, the last one was like 100 years ago like 20 1918 1918 <laughs> so my grandfather was a kid like my grandfather was a kid during that time and he got some fever he did get a fever and i think messed him messed him up like he survived but I think mentally it messed it messed him up. So wow. it wasn't COVID. I mean, it's Spanish Spanish flu. So yeah, is this the person that you want to be in quarantine? Like, what's quarantine like every day <laughs> in your face? Like, every day, no every one night. had to deal with that. No one had to right. deal with that. It's like I, you go to work, I go to work for eight hours. Kids are in school. We never see each other for eight hours out of, out of the day, 365 and people still got divorced. So now it's like, Oh, this is how you are every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I wrote my, my children's book called Finn and the ferocious flu. It, how it's, it's how a family navigates like a, a flu um, <laughs> pandemic, you know? Um, and it talks about this lovely little family and how they kind of come through it, go to the other side. Um, mm-hmm. it's like a first in a series cause there's going to be a whole bunch of taboo subjects that I'm going to talk tackle. Um, but this was, I think this needed to come out sooner than later. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I think it's for families and it's for people alike. Just everyone deals with trauma differently. <laughs> I'm <laughs> you glad know? you found someone you could quarantine. Yeah, with. me too. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed. I mean, there's people in quarantine, or shelter in place with psychotic people. It's horrific. And I don't, yeah, I do. I do a lot of digital outreach in my respective, like 12 step and they're Mm -hmm. in it. Like we were talking before, like they're, they're, 
like like in it and and you know I just share what's worked for me and hopefully like it'll it'll get better it'll get better but you know I lived in that I lived in active alcoholism family dynamic like actively for 20 the first 26 years of my life and then that's when I found like wow. like help so hey I I totally get it and like yeah if you're going to live in that systematic perpetual trauma for 26 years like yeah it's going to take some time to get your smile back but I don't want to be that person you know die angry like my grandma or like Mm -hmm. never leave or be the grandma that never left her abuser I don't want to be that grandma like either or in my case like auntie I'm 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 an auntie (laughs) so I love being an yeah. uncle. It's like so cool. <laughs> the it's like fun. the coolest. Yeah, I'm yeah. the fun aunt. I want to be yes, the fun aunt. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the the more people want to heal, you have to want to do it. Yeah. And I think I think on my website, which I just had to redo because it was erased this weekend, which was another reason why last week was tough. Um, mm. It says something like, you know, uh, healing is um, directly related to the determination and effort you put forth. Right. So, you know, I I can feel that you want to heal from this and I can feel that it's been a long process to date, you know, Um, and I can feel that you want to do it and you will. Mm -hmm. I have complete faith in you. Okay. How, how did, how did, (laughs) you're like dying to know this answer. (laughs) (laughs) How did legendary, how, how did legendary happen? Okay, so so two of my friends, um, Renata and Shant, are the executive producers for the show. They came to me, it was about the time that I got married, so it was about three years ago. Um, they came to me, and Renata's like one of my closest friends, and Shant is a good friend as well, but Renata's like one of my BFFs. She's like my first responder list. Um, <laughs> and um, they came to me, and they're like, we need your help because we want to give up. Like, we want to give up. Like, we don't think people are going to like this idea. And I just was like, no. I was like, this is what you need to do. And I told them a couple things. And I said, listen, I want you to give it a, a year longer. And I want you to know that it's going to be between two different, it's going, there's going to be a battle between two different companies. And one is going to be Bravo or the E-Network. And then the other one is going to be a bigger kind of like streamer. Um, and I was like, and when that happens, come back to me. Right. Literally within like six to eight months, like right before, like right at the time I was getting married, they, they both called me at the same time. They're like, you motherfucker. They're like, you were right. Like we literally now have like, you know, HBO max, obviously, which is where it is. Mm-hmm. And then this other company that were competing to buy the show. Oh. And then, so like I, they literally wanted to give up and I'm like, no, don't give up. So, um, I, I added it on there because there's a PR guy that he's like, add some accolades. And I was like, this is a pretty cool accolade. Like, like it <laughs> happened because I told them not to give up, you know? And so I feel such a pride and proud. Like when I see the show and I see their names and then there's this one person who's like crying. He's like, this show is amazing that it exists. And I'm just, it gives me so much purpose. And I was like, I was like, Oh, I feel so good about like telling them to do it. You told your you friend go. not to give up. Yeah. I told them not to give up and I told them to wait until that time, you know, and they, and they literally, they, it literally happened the way I said it was. So (laughs) they were very excited, obviously. And now they're going to season three. Wow. Oh, well, I have some catching up to do then. 
Yeah. Well, yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and we get to, my husband and I get to be in the audience this time around because we weren't, uh, there were no audiences for season two. Um, and season one was filmed so fast right before the pandemic in mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're so excited to be in the audience and meet all of the people there. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. And on that note, we have come to the end. So before Aww. we leave, I know it went by so quick. It did. I really it enjoyed this by. conversation. Me too. Um, Me too. Okay. So before we end, what are your favorite activities to do on a budget? Um, I actually love, my husband and I love to walk to the Hollywood Reservoir because it's about a mile and a half from our house. Um, and that's completely free. <laughs> we just bring water. Um, we love to go for walks. Um, we also um, we also like we cook. We cook about 90, 85% of our meals, and then we allow ourselves because of the pandemic. We allow ourselves like twice on the weekends to order from a local place to keep the local restaurants alive. So we budgeted that. We took that into account for our budget. Um, mm. What else? Um, we love to go visit friends, like this, our circle of trust friends, you know, from COVID. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We would stay with them, not stay in a hotel. And then we would, you know, just um, be with them, go to the beach. Going to the beach is free. <laughs> Always an amazing thing. Watching sunsets. We love watching sunsets. Mm. Um, what other activities? Um, yeah. I mean, I think those are the... That's mainly what we do. We're trying to go to the beach once a week, mm-hmm. but it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Where, where can people yes. find you and how oh, sure. can people get the book? So um, you can go to Amazon to type in Smile from the Inside. It'll come up. Um, you can go to smilefromtheinside.com. You can go to sethsantoro.com um, and or you can go to IamSethElliot.com, which is a brand new website that I built myself. <laughs> I didn't know I could do it. Um, and all of my hashtags and like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, every, everything is IamSethElliot. Awesome. One L, one T. And we will have those show notes on the episode notes Sweet. as well. And people could find me on vcomedy.com. That's V-E-E-C-O-M-E-D-Y. Yeah, if you like this episode, you could uh, give, a, give it a rating, five stars. I'm on Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. Really helps the podcast. Tell your friends. And I'm also on Cameo. If anyone wants a personal video message from me, get me on Cameo. Just search me. I'm the only Veronica Porus on Cameo. Nice. So very easy to find. Get me, get me there. And on that note, uh, thank you so much, Seth, for uh, sharing, sharing about smiling from the inside. Thank you. I love being here. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.